we've been in a series here on Sunday mornings studying the book of Colossians. And we're in chapter 1, in verse 18 and 19 today. Okay, so, how many of you, you've never been to church on Easter Sunday before? Is this your first Sunday ever? Just raise your hand real quick. You don't have to hold up. First one, all right. We've got some folks here. Very first time on a Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. Yeah. So, welcome. We're glad for that. We're glad that you're here on an Easter Sunday uh, for the very first time. And um, here's the deal, folks. The rest of you, you know, it's almost like you come up and preach the message about Easter. Shouldn't it be? I mean, I know we're not going to do that. But, quite honestly, you know, many of you, you already know. Yes, amen. <laughs> right? I've given you a, a little sheet of paper to follow along. I, I didn't put an outline in. I, I want to just be uh, to the point here this morning. I did entitle it the Resurrection Reality Challenge. Listen. <laughs> the resurrection is not a myth. It's not a cute little children's story in a book. It's a historical fact. Okay? It's a historical fact. And again, we need to just briefly bring in just the fact that had they found the body, they would have announced it. They would have announced it. Jesus Christ walked out of the tomb on the third day. And that means life for those who believe in Him. Hope beyond this life. My friend, you were not made for 60 years and then it's all done and said and that's it. You were not made for 70, 80, 90. You weren't made for that. You were made for God, for His glory and for eternity. You were made for that. You're created in God's image. So it's not simply an amazing story. It's not simply a historical event. It brings us to these two challenges, really. We said last week in our study of Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that Jesus, um, when he, last week we celebrated as Palm Sunday, and he walked into Jerusalem on the triumphal entry. And he stirred up the city. You know, people were praising him and calling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then later on, not much later, it says, and the city was all stirred up and they were asking, who is this? And that's what we come to again today. We ask this question, who is it? Who is Jesus? Jesus himself turns to Peter in Matthew 16 and says, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am. You know, that's just not just a dialogue issue. That's a, a probing question for you as an individual. You have to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? And you cannot ignore it. If he's dead and in the tomb, you can ignore it. You can walk away and say, hey, he's dead. 
He's not dead. He rose again. He's risen. <laughs> and it might be that you're here thinking, oh, here are these people at church trying to whip up a, an idea and maintain this myth. You know what? We said it. it's from the historical record in the Bible. God's holy word. It was testified here by our brother Brett and others of you could give testimony also of what he's done to change your life and make sense of things. So the first challenge really is identifying him for who he really is. Identifying him for who he really is. Paul is doing that in Colossians chapter 1. He's identifying Christ for who he really is. He's not just a a cool teacher. He's not just a a fiery prophet. He's not just a, a loving shepherd type. He is those things, but beyond that, he is God in the flesh. Here's a man. He's fully man. And Paul tells us in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, he is fully God. Look at verse 15, if you would, in your Bible, Colossians 1, 15. He says, he is the image of the invisible God. He's saying he's God. You can't see God, but now you can because there's Jesus. He's God. And in verses 15 through 16, through 17, I'm sorry, he brings out these descriptions of who he is. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Not referring to the fact that he was born, but referring to first rank. Supremacy. That's what it's referring to. And in verse 17, he says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he's He's the image of the invisible God. He's creator and he's sustainer. Yes, Jesus, creator and sustainer of all things. It says it right here, verse 16. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I'm not sure about this God thing. You want to know God? I said it last week. You want to know God? Read about Jesus. There's God. And in hearing this, now you have heard it. Now you are responsible in that sense. You need to read about it. You can't get away from it. And so Paul is making this statement and identifying him. And it's a song of praise, if you will, of the fact that he is supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he's sustainer. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. All things consist. This is Jesus. He's God. Now listen, the more you will take the time to truly identify who Jesus Christ is by reading the Bible, by reading the gospel accounts, by letting what the Bible says speak to your heart, the more you will do that, the more your identity will be settled. I remember as a young person growing up, you know, and I was very drawn to just people pleasing, 
uh, being at parties, just having a good time because, oh, I'm with other people. And gradually that just got into more and more trouble for little old Woody Swenson. Because the, the crowd that I went with kept doing more fun stuff. Well, the law didn't think that. And it's like, if you were to ask me back in those days, who are you and what, what are you about? I, I don't know. And it might be that today, sitting right here, you're, you're maybe saying, struggling with the same thing. I, I really don't know what my life is about. And if that's the case, you need to take this challenge. Will you take the challenge to identify who Jesus Christ really is from the Word of God? I'm telling you, the more you allow the Bible to speak to your heart, to lead you and direct you in this task of identifying who Jesus Christ really is, the more your identity will be set and your life will be now with purpose. Because you'll want to live for the King of Kings. You'll want to submit to Him. You'll want to honor Him. Because He's brought life to your deadness. To your chaos. To your emptiness. He's brought life. And this will only happen once you are reconciled with God. You must be born again. All that means is you must be reconciled with God. You must be made right with your Creator. Right now, people that are not believers in Christ or followers in Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, you're not right with your Creator. You're at odds. You're at enmity with God. You're not right. And you, in my mind, you might be the nicest person around. But you're not right with God. And you must be born again. You must be made right with God. In a right relationship with God. And that's what Jesus came to do. Is to reconcile you to God. And that's what he says in verse 18 down through 20. Now he's taken a shift. He's said in verses 15 through 17, he's the, he's the supreme one over all creation, all the universe. He is. Verse 15 through 17. So he's, he's that. He's the supreme one over all creation. But in verse 18, look at it. He also, now he's going to a second part here. He also is head of the body. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You lost me there. What's that? Head of the body. Everyone's got a head that has a body. Well, he goes on to say, the church. He's using a metaphor. Okay? And Christ is the head. We are the body. Those who are believers are the body, members of the body. And the head is the one that directs things. The head is the one that has the authority. And he goes on to say, and it was, um, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place. In everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, to dwell in Christ, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. See, the, the, here's the journey that He's taken. He's, it's being stated that He's the Supreme One over all of creation. 
And now he's saying he's the head, the authority figure over the church. And that he came to do what? Reconcile all things to himself. Not just people, but all of creation. Because all of creation is, is made for his glory. Romans chapter 8 talks about it. That all creation groans for the, the redemption of the sons of men. If this is true, and you're not reconciled with God, you're missing out on what God created for you to be and to, to do. And so what are you following? My friend, what are you following? What are you going after? And so many of us in America, our identity is about us. And it's about our, our bank account and our family and our this and our that. It's, it's all about what we can gain. And we've got to be careful because there will be a day when you will die and you will stand before your Creator. And what will you say? So that's the first challenge. You need to be identifying who Jesus Christ really is. Now, for the majority of us in here, we say, well, yeah, I'm with you, brother. I've identified who Jesus Christ really is. Okay? Here's the second challenge. That we align ourselves, meaning our attitudes, our conduct, our conversation in submission to His supremacy. In harmony with who He really is. And as we do that, as we align ourselves with who He really is, with our attitudes, our conduct, our conversation, in submission to Him, we will more clearly identify or reflect evidence of knowing Him. You're going to be able to reflect knowing the Lord in your life. When your attitudes, your conduct, your conversation, more and more is in submission to His being Lord. Why do I say that? Look at verse 18 again. It says, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the first for... The firstborn from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. He's the firstborn from the dead. Now, again, don't get this in mind that Jesus was born. He was... Here's the dilemma that we have in our minds. Christmas says, oh, the baby was born. The baby Jesus was born. Yes, he was miraculously born of a, a virgin with no human relation with a man, the Holy Spirit conceived in Mary's womb the baby Jesus. Who was from eternity past and who will be from to eternity future? He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. You look and study Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3. It'll say it over and over again. He's the first. He's the last. He's the beginning. He's the end. Paul is saying it here. He's the creator. He's the sustainer.
And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you say that you know him. You say that you believe in him. Is that evident in your behavior apart from Sunday? Is that evident in your conversation with people? In your texting? Is that evident that you know him? Examine yourself. You're saying, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. That means I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's what it means when you say you're a Christian. That means you're a disciple. Is it? Is that true? As we examine ourselves with what? The Scripture, not just with my own imaginations, but with the Scripture, I will be brought under conviction. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. You aren't either. You haven't arrived. We keep growing. We keep pressing on to know Him, to know the power of His what? The power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. So, examine yourself, evaluate yourself from the light of Scripture and then stop and ask yourself, have I, I've claimed to know Him as my, my Savior, but, but listen, listen, have I made Him into a mere figurehead? The Bible says He's head of the body, but have I made Him into a figurehead? If the English, uh, Great Britain, English trumpeters, soldiers walked in and blew their horns and in walked the Queen of England, well, we wouldn't be that quick on the, on the go to bow down or to curtsy or whatever we're supposed to do to the Queen of England. But we would be expected to bow in the Queen's presence because why? She's the head of England. <laughs> Wrong. She is a figurehead. She has no authority. But they do it. They do it out of tradition. That's the queen. Okay? Have you made Jesus Christ into a figurehead in your life? Hey, this is where I I live. This is reality. This is what we're dealing with. uh, All too often... He's just a figurehead in our lives. Take the challenge. Make it a reality. Ask Him to make it a reality in your life. And similarly, listen, similarly with making Christ into a figurehead, that's just got some, you know, acquaintance with, you know, position. Similarly, some of us, we've placed Christ prominently in our lives. That sounds better, doesn't it? That He's prominent in our lives. Because we want to come to church and, and give Him that prominence. But you know what, friend? The Bible doesn't say prominence. It's not saying prominence. It's saying what? 
preeminence. That means superiority, supremacy. First place in everything. The Bible strongly and clearly states it. Christ is the head of the body. He is the supreme one over creation. What does Jesus Christ deserve? I'm, I'm glad that each and every one, serious, each and every one of you are here this morning. And it's to all of us, not just a particular few, it's to every one of us. Is Jesus Lord or not? Is he Lord or not? Verse 19 tells us it was the Father's good pleasure. You know what that means? When the Father says, Behold, my Son, in whom I am well pleased. He he said that, and it's recorded in, in probably three different places in the Gospels. That the voice from heaven, the God what we can't see, calls out and says, Here's my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And all too often, we're we're putting Jesus in, in, in more of a shape and a fashion as, a, as a, a poor, lonely, you know, teacher, shepherd, good guy. But the Bible says right here, verse 19, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Do you know what that means? All the... It, it, it's, it's, here's, here's Christ... Christ is the creator. Christ is the sustainer. Christ is the head of the body. And here, he's saying Christ is the totality of God. You want me to say it again? He's the totality of God. And so, it's not a thing of saying, oh, I got to make him Lord. Guess what? We don't make him Lord. What? He's already Lord. What are you doing? Either you bow before Him and call Him Lord, or you're not bowing before Him. And that's what we get back to is, where are you? Have you come to Jesus? Have you put your faith in the one who is either Lord, or a liar, or a lunatic. He's either a liar, or a lunatic, or he's Lord. You can't get around it. And as you study, again, identify who Jesus really is, and you study him, you realize, you know what? They would have done their best to put him away in some Israeli mental hospital. For the things that he said. Put it together. Jesus is just not some nice guy. Jesus is radical. And 
as we say that we are believers in Jesus, we better understand that identity factor in Him. And that He just doesn't want a little shelf in your heart. He wants the whole house. And He wants to dwell there and be Lord of your life, of your business, of your your relationships, in your family, for your future. If He... He's done this to have, in verse 18 it says, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Is that really what He deserves? Yeah. If He's Creator, come on. If He's Sustainer, He holds all things together and carries things out, you know, He's holding things together. He certainly does deserve And he will have first place in everything. Philippians chapter 2 says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Everyone will do it. That doesn't mean everyone will be in heaven. Everyone will confess it. Everyone will. And that's how he can say, He will reconcile all things to himself, even the unbelievers. They will be reconciled. But they will not be in heaven. He's called you to submit. He is Lord. He's called you to trust Him. He is Lord. He's called you to follow. He's the Good Shepherd. He is Lord. He's called you, Christian, to walk in resurrected power, in resurrected life. So go and walk in that way. He's called you to bow before Him in daily allegiance to trust Him in His supremacy in your life. You know, it, it's important that we kind of shake the cage and rattle the cage I do. I, I get into a rut in my mind, in my thinking. You get into rut, kind of rut thinking. <laughs> and we've got to come back to, have I identified really who Jesus is? Is he just my good buddy that I call upon when I'm in trouble? Or does he have first place in everything? You know, there's certain uh, athletic teams that um, seem to be number one in, in everything. And uh, they're, they're rated number one in the, in the country. And they think, as a team, they're rated number one in the world. I mean, what else is there if, you know. And yet, Jesus is number one. He is first place. He will have first place in everything. And it's you and I understanding his goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness, that he's not some, you know, uh, one that's going to brag. All glory will go to him. All the glory will go to him for all of eternity. Because he's the firstborn from the dead. Others were raised up. 
Lazarus, Jairus' daughter. They were raised up, but they died again. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. And he will have supremacy in it all. If you're wrestling with things like this, with topics like this, my friend, I, I hope that you'll ask somebody about it and talk and engage in a, a study, a dialogue about it. But please, if you're saying I'm a Christian, please don't treat him like a figurehead. Just occasionally, when I feel like it, I'm going to bow to him. Because that's, that's not what it's going to be like in heaven. And that's not what it's supposed to be like in the life of the church and in the life of Christians. True believers. Okay? Let's give him the glory. Let's give him the praise. And that's not just a, a quaint little Christian, Christianese statement. That's a statement that needs flesh in it. It it needs to get fleshed out. Will you praise Him? Then say it. I praise Him with the difficulty. I praise Him with the trial. Will you give Him glory if things are going wrong in your life? Will you? The point is that He would have first place in everything. And please, just call it out like it is. If it's your pride keeping you from bowing to Christ, just call it out. Call it out and say, it's my pride. I don't want to do it. I'd rather go with my own program, my own agenda. I'm the captain of my own ship. Call it out. But let's not play games. Maybe this has struck a chord with you and you truly are a believer and you want to say, I I need to rededicate my life. You really mean that in your heart right now? You really mean it? If you do, you need to make that known. You need to say, I'm going to step forward. I'll come forward. I'll let it be known. I need Jesus. I I need to trust Him in my life. I need to get rid of this figurehead kind of thing and say, He's going to have first place in my life. And by God's grace, He will. By God's help, and by God's strength, He will. I don't have all the answers, as you well know. But this one thing I do know. Jesus Christ is perfect man perfect God. He died and he rose again and he lives forevermore and he he's going to be Lord. I trust that you will be there in glory to worship him forevermore. And again, I'll say it again. If you want to come, I'll stay up here, you know, after the service is over. We're going to wrap it up here. I'll stay up here. If you want to come forward and rededicate your life, This Easter, 2012, I'm here. Uh, And maybe some of the other, you know, guys can, you know, from our church leadership team can join me up here. We'd love to talk to you. Women too, that, you know, if there's any ladies that want to do it, we want to match you up and, and, and 
pray with you. And oh, by the way, if you've never professed faith in Jesus Christ, you need to do that. And we want to help direct you to Him so that you can be reconciled with God, having that He has made peace with God through what? The blood of His cross is what it says. He sacrificed Himself to do that so that you might know your Creator and be able to call out to Him as Father. Here's what we'll do. We're going to, in just a moment, we'll stand together and we're going to sing a chorus. We don't even need the, the piano or the instruments or anything. We're just going to sing the, the little simple chorus. If you want to look at it, the chorus of it is hymn number 105. You don't need it though. It's, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is, what? Risen from the dead. And He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we sing, if you want to come up, you come up. Say, I want to rededicate my life to Christ or I want to, I want to be saved. I need to be saved. I need to be reconciled with God. Would you do that? Would you come as we sing? Let's stand together and sing, He is Lord. You don't need to wait to come. If God's...